Welcome to the Evan Speaks Podcast, your home for exploring current events through a biblical lens. I'm your host, Michael Abbott Jr. Thank you for listening. As always, thank you for making my program a part of your busy day. Today, I am going to talk about the oldest event in human history. The inspiration for today's podcast is brought to you in part by the Bible, the Pete Rose of Oprah's Book Club, and by my wife. It was her research and her study that led to this subject matter. I've entitled today's program, Why Did Satan Exclusively Attack Eve? Your 10-minute road to wisdom begins right now. The Fall of Man Second only to the life and death of Jesus Christ, this was the most significant event in the history of the world. Yet so many in our post-Christian culture dispute its very occurrence. Among believers, many men leverage this attack to validate a gender superiority complex. These men deduce that since God made man first, and Eve made the first mistake, man must be greater in distinction. This is the divisive logic of self-absorbed fools whose only aim is to build their own kingdom. By contrast, Many Christian women are prone to feelings of discomfort or even guilt when pondering the first temptation. These shortcomings have resulted in the Christian community scarcely taking the time to seek the deeper meaning of this attack. When asked why Satan specifically attacked Eve instead of Adam, listen to some of the common responses. Eve just happened to be alone that day. If Adam was available, Satan would have attacked him. As a female, Eve was less intimidating and less threatening, so she represented an easier target. Since women tend to be more compassionate, Satan knew that she would have been more open to listening. And of course, there was no significance in the attack. These fleeting contentions suggest that Satan was neither cunning nor calculating in administering this attack. Yet Genesis tells us that the serpent was craftier than any of the wild animals God had made. Is it really reasonable to assume he put no thought into the execution of a strategy designed to usurp God's authority and establish his own kingdom? The biblical scholar understands there must be paramount significance to this event. Why? Because the Bible describes two, and only two, instances in which Satan directly engages with a human being through verbal dialogue. The subjects of these respective attacks are Eve and Jesus. That's it. Yes, God did allow him to inflict Job with painful sores, but he only personally reasoned with Eve and Jesus Christ. By attacking Eve, Satan sought to establish his kingdom. In attacking Christ, he sought to preserve it. Between his henchmen and our sinful nature, there's little need for him to micromanage the affairs of the fallen world. But when his transitory kingdom is threatened, nothing is off limits, not even his own direct intervention. So now that we are beginning to understand the gravity of the situation, let us now search for wisdom through Satan's direct engagement with Eve. We already know the absolute purpose of this attack was to establish his own kingdom. But why did an attack on Eve and not Adam represent its cornerstone? If you think it is because Adam is superior to Eve, you are a fool. If you think the kingdom could not have been established by directly tempting Adam, you are a fool. Though he directly engaged with Eve, 
Satan's attack perfectly exploited the vulnerabilities of both Adam and Eve, as we shall soon see. Efficiency is elemental to the attribute of cunning. How efficient was Satan? He brought about the downfall of man by whispering three simple sentences. As the craftiest of all creatures, Satan's scheming nature keenly understood the meaning of the phrase, it is not good for man to be alone. With these words, Satan knew that man held a deeply rooted vulnerability. And since God drew Eve from the man, he understood that she also retained a vulnerability that was uniquely her own. God purposely created Eve to remedy the only situation in the garden that was identified as not being good. Of all the animals in creation, there was simply no suitable helper for what God specifically created in his own image and likeness. For this reason, in God's infinite wisdom, he created Eve. The weakness of Eve, paradoxically, is that which gives her and all women such immense beauty. As a divinely created helper, her deepest desire is to support, and her idealistic purity is simply majestic. As Satan well knows, however, virtuous human proclivities are easily subject to exploitation. And he knew that insecurity is the kryptonite of the female species. Note the language. Did God really say? Eve's essential nature as a helper is so powerful that it is accompanied by simple fears of inadequacy. What if I'm not enough? What if I cannot help? I know I can help now, but what if I can't help later? If this isn't true, then why was Eve's very first action after learning the newfound insight and the newfound wisdom from this fruit, why was her very first action as a helper to immediately share this with her husband? It's critical to understand that Satan tempted Eve by manipulating everything about her that is good and everything about her that is pure. Have you ever heard the expression, the road to hell is paved with good intentions? This is the foundation of this cultural maxim. Satan exploited everything that is good about woman to deceive her into believing that the fruit of the forbidden tree could promise three nourishing outcomes. The first promise was the nourishment of vitality. The forbidden fruit was good for food. Eat the fruit and you will remain strong and full of energy. The second promise was the nourishment of dignity. The forbidden fruit was pleasing to the eye. Eat the fruit and you will be worthy of honor and respect you will earn the esteem of your husband. The final promise was the nourishment of capacity. The forbidden fruit was desirable for gaining wisdom. You will possess the ability to do, experience, and understand everything. Vitality, dignity, capacity. Satan promised Eve a life replete with physical, emotional, and mental health. He suggested that the fullness of life could be obtained with a complete disregard to the spiritual realm. Satan looked at Eve and essentially told her, that tree right there contains everything you'll ever need to bring your insecurities under control. He then acknowledged her capacity as a divinely created helper, but posed the question that has threatened marriages ever since. You must always support your husband, but don't you want to be sure that he's going in the right direction? Satan used Eve as a means to his ultimate end of establishing a kingdom dedicated to his own personal glory. He sustains this kingdom through the following two false promises, 
which were first directed to Eve at the beginning of creation. False promise number one, human beings do not need God. In fact, Satan promised that once Eve partook of the forbidden fruit, she would become like God. False promise number two, no degree of personal change is necessary to improve culture. In fact, perfecting the human experience can best be achieved by focusing on what lies outside, not inside. As an aside, might there be any similarities between Satan's first attack on Eve and the conventional wisdom parading its way through American culture? We live in a culture that says there is no such thing as God, and our system of higher education promises that every solution can be achieved by solely focusing on the brokenness of the culture, not the brokenness of individual man. Anyway, Satan accomplished all of this by uttering a mere 43 words and we have ignorantly carried his flag ever since. Now, let's turn our attention to Adam. If Eve's weakness lies in her insecurity, Adam's weakness lies in Eve. Adam finds Eve so captivating that he will blissfully suspend all judgment, all judgment, for the attainment of peace within his household. Ever heard the expression, happy wife, happy life? Adam's desire to protect Eve is so strong that he willingly stands down even when he knows she is traversing into harm's way. Doesn't make much sense, does it? But think, Adam's element of protection and his call to protect his wife is not limited to physical defense. Adam looks at Eve and sees a woman who is reasoning her way into a situation that she truly believes will improve his living experience. Interfering with that process harms Eve emotionally. And again, Adam wants to protect Eve from emotional harm. Just like Eve's sin of commission, Adam's sin of omission was also made with virtuous intent. Even though Adam was specifically told, do not eat the forbidden fruit, he was never told what that consequence would be, was he? Here's the significance of Adam's sin. When engaging with his wife, a man prefers the approach of conflict avoidance. This is the proverbial, why didn't you tell me this dress made me look fat, discussion. When faced with unknown long-term consequences, man will frequently, almost always, select an option that pacifies or avoids what could be an immediate confrontation. Man desperately wants peace in his home. If this peace can be preserved, if just for one more day, he frankly doesn't care what problems lie beyond the horizon. Better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Of course, people who are eager to divide the culture will spew comments like, men are afraid of their wives. Is this the real issue? Or do we simply want to protect their emotional stability? I contend it's the latter. Eve is Adam's weakness. As I've shared in the Paradox Trilogy, men stabilize women. Women civilize men. We desperately need each other to avoid the only situation in the garden defined as not being good. So let me provide a clear, conspicuous, and unmistakable answer to the question, why did Satan exclusively attack Eve? You might want to get a pen. Are you ready? Okay, here it is. He didn't. The question is a completely false premise. The contention that Satan exclusively attacked Eve is short-sighted, it's ignorant, and it's bathed in biblical illiteracy. 
Satan attacked Adam and Eve simultaneously. Not only were they both in the garden together, but Genesis explains that the two had become one flesh just two verses before the attack. This was a highly calculated and extremely efficient attack that preyed upon both Adam and Eve. Satan pitted man against his wife by exploiting how we were specifically created for each other. He examined what God intended for good, perverted its essence, and used the resulting distortion to achieve conflict and division that he desperately needed for his own power. Look at Adam's response to God when he specifically was asked if he had eaten the forbidden fruit. Quote, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Immediate separation. Immediate dissension. Satan performed his attack in this fashion to return man to the state of being alone. Again, this was the only setting in the garden that was defined as not being good. Now, I realize I'm pressed for time, but look at American culture today. There is no such thing as gender. There is no difference between man and woman. The feminist movement tells us that a woman can only be empowered if she is strong, capable, and completely independent. Three-year-old boys who like dresses are telling us something. We are seeking to fully destroy the complementary nature of human interaction. And we're calling ourselves enlightened. We say that this is a movement based on love. No. This movement promises a life replete with physical, emotional, and mental health. Sound familiar? This movement completely rejects God. Sound familiar? And this movement encourages men and women to avoid the discomfort of an immediate confrontation, even though we all know the complete social and societal chaos that is coming just over the horizon. Sound familiar? Remember, we now have kindergarten teachers indoctrinating their students into the wonders of transgenderism. And you want to tell me that Satan doesn't exist? His hands are all over modern American culture. The same 43-word attack inflicts our country to the present day. Just more proof that the more things change, the more they stay the same. There is nothing new under the sun. Malcolm Muggeridge had it right. There is no such thing as news. News is simply old events happening to new people. Oh, and let me give you some proof that I'm willing to make a concession to the culture at large. I believe in multiple forms of gender equality. Both men and women equally sin and fall short of the glory of God. I will confess, this will never change. Both men and women have a deep longing for a personal relationship with their creator. This will never change. And Satan will never discriminate between genders when manipulating us to preserve his kingdom. In other words, Satan views mankind from a complete lens of gender equality. Shouldn't that tell you something? I've got only about 30 seconds, so if you are a biblical scholar, please share this with a friend. In the podcast app, just click on the three dots next to the episode and select Share Episode. You could send a message, iMessage, right to your friend. Help your humble host share biblical wisdom throughout your circle. Have you ever thought that fostering biblical conversation could be that easy? Ask your friends what they think on the fall of man. You never know how much you can grow spiritually from a simple conversation. I am now officially out of time, so I must bid you farewell. Until next time, be bold with your faith, strong in your convictions, and courageous in the workplace.
mankind from a complete lens of gender equality. Shouldn't that tell you something?